Wired helps you become a halal investor in minutes. Clients from over 40 states have already started their journey with us. Here's how it works. First, we ask you eight simple questions to recommend a portfolio based on your risk profile. You then select your portfolio and simply sign up online. Your account can be approved in seconds. After you fund your account, we'll place the trades for you. All you have to do then is sit back and monitor your performance. It actually is that easy. Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon all of our viewers watching. This is Saeed with Psychology of Spirituality in collaboration with the Muslim Vibe. Very happy to be sitting here today with Brother Human Kishwarzi, who is the founding director of the Khalil Center, which is the largest provider of Muslim mental health in the United States. Uh, being someone who studies uh, psychology at a PhD level, it's a conversation I've, I've been waiting for. And it's, it's uh, amazing to see the shift in our culture and, and Muslim Americans beginning to accept mental health treatment and, under, and understanding mental health treatment. So right off the bat, Brother Human, um, what is clinical psychotherapy for many of the viewers who may not be familiar with what it is? Yeah, um, clinical psychology or psychotherapy um, is essentially uh, the treat. It's it's a modality or a discipline that treats mental health. So psychology is the science of human behavior. Yes. Clinical psychology is looking at abnormal human behavior. Yes. Um, and if we get a little bit more specific, it's caught you know our thinking, uh, emotions, and 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 behavior. Um, and now there's there's like a push for the incorporation of a fourth category, which is spirituality. Mm. Which interestingly enough, the history of psychology is that the etymology of the word itself, psychology is a science of the soul. So once upon a time, you know, it was thought to be um, the science or or the discovery of that which we don't really see, mm. and contrasted with say a hard science like. Um, like medicine geology. or yeah. biology or whatnot, where you uh, are dealing with the body. Uh, this is dealing with the psyche, which is sort of more of this metaphysical kind of idea, in fact. Um, the age-old discussion of mind and body problem, mm -hmm. for example, kind of taught, you know, addresses this issue of, of we're really working with the sort of metaphysical um, interestingly enough, actually, you know, Abu Zayd al-Balkhi, rahimahullah ta'ala, he has this book called The Sustenance of the Soul mm. and the Body, Al-Masaliq al-Anfus wa al-Abdan. It's the sustenance of the soul and the body. So, this is a 9th century work, by the way, that was written by a Muslim, uh, a Muslim theologian, polymath. He was an expert of various different wow. uh, uh, fields. Uh, geography being actually a specialty, and yeah, the cursory kind of um, writings, the Siddi Sala, um, which really addresses this, which is, I think, you know, the first manuscript actually discovered or written on the topic of psychology, which isn't really found in your history books, unfortunately. I think it's really interesting the shift <coughs> we've been seeing in the field of psychology starting to incorporate spirituality mm -hmm. and understanding that for more holistic well-being, holistic mental health, people incorporate a spiritual aspect. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it has been secularized with the, with mindfulness, which is kind of like present moment awareness. A lot of those concepts come from Buddhism, but kind of the work mm -hmm. that I do at the University of Houston. Uh, and my candidacy going forward will be um, trying to understand how spirituality impacts well-being mm -hmm. in the Muslim American community. So I'll be taking a sample of college students and trying to understand how throughout the month of Ramadan, which is a very highly spiritual month, mm -hmm. whether stress goes down, whether facets of well-being increase, 
So I would love to hear about what your role at the Khalil Center is and even what the shift uh, you've seen at being in the forefront of mm -hmm. this of this wave of psychotherapy and uh, Islamic spirituality. Mm -hmm. um, if you can just share your thoughts on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the, this movement uh, of uh, spirituality is entitled usually like spiritually integrated psychotherapy. Yeah. There's some leading figures in this uh, particular domain, some of which actually our clinical director in the Bay Area, Dr. Rania, mm. were her mentors, like Harold, uh, Harold Koenig, for example, Kenneth Pargamon, for example. Really work, yeah. um, you know, Scott Richards, yeah. individuals that are really involved with the spiritually integrated psychotherapy mm. movement. Um, and their, you know, hypothesis or, or, or idea is that um, you really can't separate the human being from physical, mm -hmm. behavioral um, parts uh, to spirituality and do this sort of clean, uh, uh, you know, uh, dichotomy or cutoff um, or line between you being spirit and mm -hmm. psyche or body or physical. Um, and one needs to be treated by an imam or spiritual healer, and then the other one needs to be treated yeah. by a psychologist. Uh, human beings are one thing, yeah. and, the, and, and human psychology is impacted by spirituality as well. And so what they've been doing is to show that spirituality works yeah. in alleviating psychological distress and mental health uh, sicknesses. I mean, there's lots of studies. It's a protector in substance abuse, so, it alleviates so depression and anxiety, the greater the um, uh, religious coping, the lower the mental health sy uh, uh, symptoms, it plays a role. It has lots of correlations with, with moderating variables, yeah, exactly. a sense of purpose in life, which right, is a absolutely. huge implication. People who have a sense of purpose and a meaning mm -hmm. in life usually, usually do a lot better, and spirituality yeah. really gives that to people. Right. Yeah. And spiritually integrated uh, or spiritually oriented interventions are also shown to be empirically evidence that mm. they work, uh, and in fact, sometimes they work much better than than normative, non-spiritually integrated interventions. There was actually a study that found that they did a survey of uh, of uh, folks and that were being treated in the hospital, a psychiatric hospital, uh, for the mental health condition, and they took two groups, split split, split them apart, gave one group. A spiritually oriented kind of therapy. The other group, they gave them secular therapy. Mm -hmm. They followed them up and they found that both groups recovered. So then they followed up both groups to ask them, what was it about the psychotherapy that worked? What did you do that helped? Mm -hmm. Well, one group said, uh, well, you know, the spiritually integrated psychotherapy was very helpful for me to, you know, kind of make new connections, reinterpret my suffering, and, 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 and it was helpful for them to treat their psychopathology. The other group, the secular group, interestingly enough, they said they went home and they prayed to God to cure them of this disease. The part that they was went, missing. Okay. They went home and they uh -huh. uh, were thinking about God. They were trying to reinterpret and make meaning. And they said that had the most impact wow. on their psychopathology, yeah. on treat alleviation, which is ironic because it was actually secular psychotherapy. So majority of individual studies show cope with cope with psychological distress through religion and spirituality. Majority of Americans do Muslim and non-Muslim. Yes. So I mean, it kind of makes sense that as uh, as Muslims belonging to a spiritual uh, tradition, 
to Islam as Muslims that we embrace that and to actually exemplify that and to demonstrate that our tradition of Muslim scholarship you know was doing this yes. for generations and that this isn't something new to us I think right now a lot of people they many Muslims have the masjid as like their main source of support in the mm -hmm. community they may not ne necessarily know where to go for psychological support so they kind of go to the imam mm -hmm. to kind of for that spiritual guidance but also sure. questions on things that the imam might not be competent about so do you think that um, having this relationship where perhaps incorporating psychological services perhaps even in the masjid or you know in, in these centers where mm -hmm. the imam can <clears throat> work on the spiritual aspect and the psychologist or the psychotherapist can work on the mental health related mm. um, is that kind of aligned with some of the work yeah. that you guys do at the Khalil Center? Right, yeah absolutely I think you're describing sort of like <coughs> collaborative care, right? Yes. Collaborative care between being able to work with uh, first responders, I would call them yeah. imams who serve as first responders or theologians or spiritual practitioners, uh, chaplains even, um, and then, you know, mental health providers. Uh, and I think the collaboration is really significant and important. And uh, um, we do do that. In fact, at our uh, office in our center, we have uh, theologians. We have like a religious consultation department, actually. So we have, um, like in Cal in Chicago, Moana Bilal sits in, he has his own office, and Sheikh Rami has an office where somebody might come in and ask about, you know, is my marriage done or not from like an Islamic perspective? What are ethical things that I need to be considering or more theologically oriented kind of concerns or questions that come up in the therapy that, you know, your psychologist isn't your theologian that's giving you religious education, but rather what they're doing is they're working with you to uh, help you with your psychological suffering and distress and help you better relate to uh, yourself and, 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 and healing that way. So that that's why we have that kind of component uh, where we actually have individuals, you know, get, can get that help as well. Um, with the imams, it's important to build relationships. Um, I think it's about building relationships and recognizing that what we need to do as a community is to really educate the Muslim community about the differentiation of different spaces mm. and That's places right. really where important. different services are provided. Yeah. So the fact that people go to the masjid for... Um, mental health treatment is um, it does not necessarily mean that we should start providing mental health services off the member or like in the imam's corner. A lot of times it's informal. People right. are not necessarily knowing that they have anxious symptoms. That's one thing. Right, right. It's just That's kind of like it's That's a really good point. They don't even mention those terms, but the advice that the imam yeah. is giving is informally right, some right, sort right. of a mental health. Yeah. Uh, advice. Even Agreed. Yeah. That. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. Yeah. And that's what I think that furthers the education piece. Yeah. Because part of what Khalil Center is doing is that we have like a Muslim mental health first responders certification training mm. that we've been doing okay. for the past year and a half across the nation. We've um, educated over like 600, 700 community leaders and imams across the country now. Um, so what we do is we show them the imam, how they can identify certain psychological wow. conditions and symptoms. What they can do, because they can be a part of that 
treatment process, as you said, yes. dealing with spiritual issues, giving uh, fatwas, um, you know, dealing with um, their marital, yeah. uh, like getting them married and, you know, if they need to get a divorce and, you know, facilitating mm -hmm. that, um, you know, that sort of thing, these religious rites and rituals, they're, they're necessary to be dealt with perhaps in the masjid and with the imam, but that they know, and then we also give them a framework of collaboration. What is their role and how can they work with mental health providers mm -hmm. and centers like Khalil Center? How can they be involved in the process? Um, so it's about educating um, them because all imams, you know, I find oftentimes they're sort of like victimized. They're doing like, you know, um, they're 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 doing this wrong and why are they, yeah. you know? But the issue is that we just rather than sort of like uh, seeing them as a problem, we need to provide them and work with them yeah. towards a solution to say here's what we do and here's how we can help and here's what, how it can help you. And I find that imams actually find that so reassuring. They're happy to take that load off of their uh, off of their backs and to have actually a framework of how to how to do that. So it's education on two fronts. It's educating the educators, okay. right? And the specialized, yeah. right? I think uh, addressing mental health is about addressing the different levels of care. Yeah. So we have prevention, we have community intervention, we have different practitioners, chaplains and whatnot, imams. And then the other is to actually set the culture and tone for our community to tell them, like, you know, would it if, if the Muslim community happened to be going to the imam for uh, carpentry, would we just be like, the imam should learn how to... <laughs> Like learn how to like <laughs> make desks and 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 and, and yeah. fix stuff. Like, no, we'd say okay. The the people don't really know <laughs> what carpentry is about, and that yeah. imams don't get any training or modules <laughs> in carpentry. Yeah. You know, it's not part of their syllabus. Unless you're Jesus, right? <laughs> Unless you're Isa. <laughs> the, there's actually a study in New York City that finds that Muslims believe they they, they endorse the survey to show that they believe that imams are counselors. Mm, wow. When, you know, I myself am going through like a traditional madrasa curriculum and trust me, there's no counseling like course, <laughs> you know, in that curriculum. You know, you deal with like the fiqh of marriage, yeah. right, and fiqh well, ethics, of talaq, right? Yeah. Um, you know, um, and how you get married and how you get divorced and and what kinds of statements you might say that might in, create a divorce and whatnot. Yes. You, study, how do you, you don't really study, now how are you going to fix a marriage yeah. when it breaks down? You know what I'm saying? There's so many moving parts to mental health, which is why the education portion is a little bit difficult because a lot of it is situational. A lot of people are, they may have anxiety, they may have depression, yeah. they may just not be living up to their full potential. Um, so addressing the, the people watching, what are some important tidbits that they can apply in better understanding mental health and where they are and how they can kind of maybe even self-identify mm. some things that they may not be aware of. Yeah, I think uh, just kind of touching upon this whole legacy of this tradition we have, okay. uh, building from within the tradition, we can say that, uh, and, and oftentimes when we think of mental health, people sort of uh, um, can be kind of uncomfortable with it, that it can be highly stigmatized, um, and, and, and I agree that there's actually some truth to that, meaning that the way that mental health treatment is offered today in the mainstream, 
um, whether it be reductionism or, or a complete opposite of postmodern theories or whether it be, um, you know, pharmaceutically driven kind of like uh, medical, me model. medical yeah. model type yeah. like interventions. All of those have their appropriate, you know, well, at least the medical model and reductionism has its place. Yeah. But... It's not As, capturing the, the whole right, picture. Right, it's not capturing yeah. the whole picture and the dominant. So we have reason to be concerned and yeah. skeptical. And, you know, there's, um, I think, psychiatrists, uh, uh, one, one study I'd found showed the psychiatrists are among the least religious individuals. Exactly. And in mental health settings, we also have a great degree of um, bias and prejudice towards, like, spirituality or, yes. or religious, uh, religiously oriented yep. individuals likely to psychopathologize them if they have religious beliefs and delusions of grandeur and so yeah, things all sorts of, of things. Nature, yeah. Now, um, there is reason to be concerned, um, but we have to look at this, and this is what Khalil Center is trying to do, is to say what we're doing is reclaiming our tradition mm. rather than we're not a mouthpiece for mental health, mainstream behavioral mental health science, yeah. What we want to do is reform how mental health is offered. Yep. And we want to reform it, giving insights, shedding light onto it, right, pun intended, nur, onto, <laughs> onto uh, you know, uh, really uh, uh, the, the darkness of, of looking at things uh, in the absence of any sort of spirituality. So we, now, you know, why I mention that is because our tradition has this differentiation of spaces and this built-in, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, well, uh, 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 you know, the Prophet said, that indeed I was only sent to perfect good character, mm -hmm. right? And Imam al-Ghazali, he quotes a hadith at the beginning, which um, the strength of it isn't very strong, uh, so at, at best it's at least sustaining. Uh, if God wants good for a believer, for a slave, then he will give him awareness of his own deficiencies. Mm -hmm. So now Imam al-Ghazali goes on to say, the way to do that is to find a mentor or, or a sheikh from mashayikhihi, from, you know, that, that sort of tazkiyat al-nafsa, sheikh al-rabbani, somebody who's an expert in facilitating okay. spiritual health and healing. And then another, uh, and then Abu Zayd al-Balkhi essentially resonating, saying the same thing. Everybody should go to a Hakim, so he's using kind of different language. Go to a wise, get wise counsel. Yeah. For, exa for example, uh, uh, you know, Abu Bakr al-Razi has a, has a little risala uh, on, on psychology. And he says, people should, you know, in order for you to perfect your own traits and qualities and behaviors, oh. You have to get supervision. You have to uh, see it from the outside. So people look at Freud as the father of psychology, but this oh, no, is no. embedded within no, 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 our absolutely. narrative. I, I, you know, I did this dars actually of uh, Abu Zayd al-Balkhi's Risala. Mm -hmm. um, it's only like 70, 75 pages in Arabic. You read it, it's translated, right? You, gotta, you, you could get it. it. Put it in the description. Yeah, Malik Badri actually yeah. uh, translated it, and it's a good translation, mashallah. Um, and, uh, you know, it, his work is almost, is like completely applicable today. Today, It's as if he wrote it today. Wow. The OCD, you know, Dr. Rania did a study of this. She found that the OCD symptom, symptomatology, according to the DSM-5, 
is exactly 100% in, converges with the symptomology and checklist that Abu Zayd al-Bakhi qualifies as OCD. Centuries ago. A thousand years ago. <laughs> and, and he writes in there, and mind you, this is why, you know, when I read it, to, to, when I taught this, actually I taught a portion of it in, in Turkey this summer. Um, when I taught it, I was really uh, qualifying the context in which he's talking, mm. how this is really holistic. When he's talking about mental health and psyche, he introduces the concept of spirituality, of waswasa from shaitan, and then he's wow. talking about biological uh, uh, kind of origins, heredity, predisposed heredity. It's, to, it's, it's all yeah. holistic. So their mind, the way that they operate it, is that Islam, when you're one of my... Um, uh, mentor says that Islam completes knowledge, it doesn't dismantle it, it appropriates knowledge, right? Empiricism is a source of knowledge, according to Aqidah. Yes. But we don't di divorce it from Wahi. So, how can people make themselves better? In, in a nutshell, really, you have, to have, you have to have mentorship. You might have spiritual mentorship, and you might have mentorship through uh, somebody who actually Ghazali says there's two types. This is one is one is the traditional modality of going to a sheikh, sure. uh, and then the other modality it says is um, you know Rafiqan Sadiqan Ali man bi asrari al amr that he says a pious companion who knows the intricacies of these affairs, meaning like he knows how to facilitate. Mm. So this could mean somebody who's sort of like an expert or somebody who's um, a little bit more up there that can help you gain awareness into your own behavior. Are there, are there um, hadiths, st stories even, uh, about people uh, in the Ummah seeking counseling of that sort? Mm -hmm. Because we know ment mental health has always been around. It's just that we didn't know what it was. We just called people crazy. Yeah, of course. There's, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the, the, the seerah is completely replete with... Uh, I mean, if we look at it holistically, yeah. the seerah is completely replete with the pe people coming to the Prophet Sallallahu with yes. all of their concerns, whether it's alcoholism, and they're asking for guidance on that. A woman came um, with epilepsy, mm -hmm. you know, and she was having seizures, a Habashi woman, and she came to the Prophet Sallallahu an Ethiopian woman, right, from Africa. She had come to the, a Sahabiya had come to the Prophet Sallallahu and said that I have um, uh, these seizures, what can I do? So. He would, uh, and and there's numerous numerous stories. So I kind of dwell on each story. The Prophet Sallallahu gives a gives a dua. You know, Allahumini uh, min alhami wal hazani, right? Uh, that oh Allah, I seek refuge from uh, sadness and anxiety and wow. depression, right? Depression and 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 anxiety, right? He has an intricacy of the way that he deals with people based upon their context. As a hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu um, yeah, you know that that in uh, that I've been instructed to talk to individuals in accordance with their states or intellects. Mm -hmm. So now you have, for example, um, uh, you know, an old man that comes to the Prophet Sallallahu and says, "Can I, uh, uh, you know, what do you think about me um, touching my wife and just kissing and hugging her during the fast of Ramadan?" And he tells him. No, don't do that, right? And then, like, he has an old, uh, uh, older man come in later, and he says, yeah, you know? And so we're observing two different statements to the same person. Yeah. So this is an intricacy yeah. of dealing with people 
in accordance with where they're at and considering their psychological states um, when we are giving them some sort of, you know, uh, direction or guidance because the Prophet ﷺ giving two different things to two different people. One could say, oh, well, how do I reconcile that with a black and white lens on truth? Mm. Right? What do you mean? Like there's, it's either right or wrong. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, but no, the Prophet ﷺ had an intricacy in the way that he would talk to people, how he turned to people. So there's a whole study that can go into this, and some of which what we're trying to do is to really examine the life of the Prophet and his interactions with the Sahaba and the Tabi'een and the Salaf al-Salihin uh, to see what can we, you know, extract from this uh, from this tremendous tradition to be able to inform, you know, the way that we might work on ourselves and help others. You know, Imam al-Ghazali says that the he he actually you know, Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu uh, he, uh, uh, Ghazali brings this in his Ihya under the chapter of Bain al-Khawfi wal-Raja between fear and hope. He says the individual, the alim is not an individual that just randomly um, gives uh, uh, like uh, uh, reprimands and, and, and scares or induces healthy anxiety, I would say, hmm. to an individual. Nor is he one that gives them hope. He says he gives it in accordance with what they need. Right? So that's the intricacy of it. He's saying he doesn't just give it according to random prescriptions of this is the hukum, this is what's right. You know, even in fiqh they say that, that, that the usul al-ifta, like the procedure of giving a fatwa, um, it, it's bad practice actually to just give a fatwa to somebody. You have to specialize it according to... You have to give it in accordance with, with the, the context. With context. You have to examine the context. In order to give the so, there's a great degree of uh, of of um, uh, nuance in looking at the Prophet Sallallahu and and even the Prophet Sallallahu says, look, looking at the idea of bias, wow. right? He's saying that a qadi shouldn't give advice in uh, or shouldn't um, uh, rule over a case when he is angry. And then other fuqaha say it's not just anger. The illa, the common denominator here, is that the co- anything that might that cause bias, okay. Yeah. right? Okay. Anything that might cause uh, him to stray from objectivity. So now we're thinking about you know context of countertransferences and internal reactions. I'm working with somebody. I'm having a reaction. I need to pull that back. Pull back yeah. You know what I'm saying? A lot of work psychotherapy is yeah, trying so, to do that. Yeah. So, so like this is the, all of this. Our scholars have written this, and so I think what we're trying to do is actually do ittisal, ittisal, connect, connect the science connected. back to our turaf al-Islamiyyah, mm-hmm. because we have a period of time during colonialism where we have become munqati', we have disconnected natural sciences and academia from spirituality, mm-hmm. from Islamic sciences, when they actually go hand in hand, yes. right? There is no division. It's a, it's a, it's a false dichotomy. And what we're trying to do is to actually bring it back. And, uh, you know, um, uh, Dr. Rajab, who's the head of Ibn Khaldun University, whom I, I work um, for, actually, uh, in Turkey, he says um, that Muslims must um, basically be chains or consider themselves as contributors to the Islamic intellectual legacy. 
And what you get in school in a PhD program in psychology is a European intellectual legacy. Yeah. You've got all of their theories, all of their Produce, history, yeah. down to Adler, the nuance yeah. and, the, and, and the specificity of like how you deal with people. But they're like what was happening in the Muslim world. Like, we don't have anything. Nobody we're talked about this tradition. Stuff. You know yeah, what I'm saying? And so that's where we're saying, look, let's revive this. This isn't so foreign. And now, each person, we have to create a culture of people seeking help mm -hmm. to fix their character, to learn ta'alim, to, uh, to have ilm for medical treatment, for their spirituality, right? Uh, for the educational needs, all of these things, they they, we even have spaces for them within our Islamic tradition, right? We have spaces. Yes. We have the hospitals. We, uh, we have we had mental hospitals. We had traveling physicians. We had community uh, community health. I mean, these are things that we need to sort of get back and say, look, they all interconnect. Yes. And industrialism, what it's done is to disconnect everything from anything. So doctors don't like psychologists. Psychologists don't like uh, a psychiatrist. Um, you know, academics don't like applied uh, uh, applied Pract practitioners. practitioners. Um, even within psychology, this school of thought doesn't talk to no. this other school of thought Clinical because they're like, "You're wrong, and I'm right, and you're you're wrong, and I'm right." And we have this kind. We have like madahib, even yeah. <laughs> even on something as objective as you would say is divin divine truth yeah. of ethics. There's got to be a right and wrong. We say it's not that simple, actually. So Even like, when yeah. it comes to like, it's like a cognitive yeah. error that we that we that we just have as as humans. Yeah, and it, you know it's interesting because lots of these things that we've known in our traditions are only starting to come out in the psychological literature in the, in the Western world. Mm -hmm. And now it's only now that many of these secular, possibly atheist, psychologists, mental health workers, even scientists are starting to understand spirituality and sure. its major implications Absolutely. and I don't want to say they're starting to co-opt it but you know there's a book by Sam Harris who's like one of the most prominent atheists called Waking Up Spirituality Without Religion oh, so they're trying to separate they're trying to you know separate the two mm -hmm. because you know they see that in science spirituality is being substantiated and implicated right. it's being very beneficial so um, I can talk to you brother Human for an, another hour yeah, um, <laughs> this is a conversation I've been waiting for for a very long time just having another Muslim uh, PhD someone who's well versed in psychology and spirituality Radical, maybe yeah. the last thing you can share for our viewers are, is many youth even many people are having spiritual conflicts you know, they're having doubts of God, they're having mm -hmm. intra-conflicts on whether they, they should adopt spirituality. What's something that you can share with them on the importance of understanding their spirituality and reclaiming their spirituality? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, you know, well, what you, you spirituality, you quote it because we have to kind of understand the context. If you're talking about, like, intellectually trying to satisfy them, them, themselves, I think uh, it's being better acquainted to, to be able to champion their own legacy, right? Whereas, so being able to understand and look at yeah. some of our scholarship uh, and our you know, literature to be able to really find, uh, you know, a sense of identity, mm. purpose, and pride in the fact that this is the legacy I come from. This is the heritage. It supports right? science. It yeah. supports all of these different things. Yeah, um, and, yeah. and then, uh, but if we're talking about more uh, kind of spiritual practice yeah. and and identity. I think we need to. We're in an era of the like me generation, and everything is sort of industrialized. Mm -hmm. And I think the true uh, Islamic communal kind of structure 
uh, was such that everybody was in the pursuit of personal growth, mm. right? That um, you know, uh, uh, you know, um, that that the best of you are those who are greatest in uh, in taqwa, taqwa. right? Yeah. Uh, God consciousness, yeah. right? And so, and 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 so there is this idea that we need to kind of strive towards developing these. There's this whole con- context of like tahdib al-akhlaq, like character reformation, mm. and so. In that regard, I think you can't. You, you, it's indispensable to be connected to the connected. You know, murabata, mm-hmm. right? Being connected to the connected is being able to find righteous, uh, close companions, friends, and uh, and and mentors, um, and being able to kind of benefit from uh, from that companionship and. Help and and you know they say al mirat al Muslim mirat al mu'min right that al mu'min mirat al mu'min right that uh, that a believer is a mirror to another believer mm. and so they kind of re- can reflect uh, the goods and the bads that um, that they might you know have so I think the companionship also the name of Khalil Center comes from that you know so uh, uh, you know there's a there's a hadith of the Prophet sallam uh, that says that uh, a believer is, uh, a person is upon a person is upon the way deen deen in the Arabic language also means way literally of their Khalil uh, Khalil is like a very close friend. intimate friend intimate where you friend, share yeah. your personal secrets with right so, so all of you shall be mindful of whom you take as your Khalid, as your close companion. So that's the name of a Khalil Center. We're trying to kind of be Khalils for uh, for um, for others. Uh, and so people need uh, people need to have a Khalid, you know, or Khalils. I, 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 I totally, totally, totally agree. The work that you guys do is amazing. We'll put the links in the description if people can learn more about the Khalil Center. Um, we'll, we'll, put the, we'll put the hyperlink in the description. I want to thank Brother Human Kashwarzi for being on today's episode with the, with the Muslim Vibe and sharing to our viewers uh, some very, very important details on mental health and the convergence of our Islamic tradition and psychotherapy and psychology. Uh, I think a really big takeaway is that, you know, science and these practices that we try to separate, a lot of it has been forced down upon us. There isn't a separation. Islam is holistic. Mm-hmm. It understands science, the rational science, the hard science, and soft science has begun under the umbrella of our deen. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Brother Human. A pleasure. Appreciate it so much. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Thank you. Wahad helps you become a halal investor in minutes. Clients from over 40 states have already started their journey with us. Here's how it works. First, we ask you eight simple questions to recommend a portfolio based on your risk profile. You then select your portfolio and simply sign up online. Your account can be approved in seconds. After you fund your account, we'll place the trades for you. All you have to do then is sit back and monitor your performance. It actually is that easy.